Hello and welcome to the Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. And it is great to be with you guys today. We're going to try and do a couple of, uh, record a couple of episodes this morning. This uh, this little thing we talked about last week called Holy Week is uh, uh, is quickly looming upon us as well as uh, the post-Holy Week Easter um I don't know, letdown isn't quite the right word, but uh, I certainly feel like uh, I, need to, I need to sit back and relax for a little while. So I don't know if we'll be able to record there for a bit. But we are, uh, we are here and ready to roll. Today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about accepting a call. A couple, three weeks ago, we talked about the uh, process of receiving a call, discerning a call. And, uh, and Scott, you have uh, just accepted a call, so it seems natural that we talk about it. What's going on? Yeah, well, so yesterday morning was Sunday morning, and I announced to my congregation that after deliberating for really an, actually a number of months, I mean, I knew that this was in the works. I, I received a call to teach theology and bioethics at Concordia University in Irvine, California. And while I knew it was in the works and, you know, I mean, it was all uh, it, for several months, I didn't get the actual call papers until January. And it was at that time, shortly thereafter that, when I announced to my congregation that I had this call. So they knew about it and had been advising me and praying for me and um, all that good stuff. But then yesterday was the day when I decided, because I didn't want to do it on Palm Sunday. Right. And I didn't want to do it on Easter. Right. And the Sunday after Easter for us is confirmation Sunday. Right. So, you know, those are those are happy occasions. And I knew while I don't expect that everybody is going to be, you know, devastated by my leaving, I know that there would be some some sorrow. So I wanted to make sure I either announced it sure. several weeks after Easter or at least or a couple weeks before. And um, so, you know, just for the sake of the the college so that they could hear a little bit sooner and, you know, know how to plan. Wow. I went ahead and made the announcement yesterday and said that I was going to accept the call. Well, let me ask you a, uh, a terribly un-Lutheran question. Um, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, we Lutherans <laughs> don't feel much, do we? We're not, no. We're not great about talking about our feelings unless they're no. anger or whatever. No, no I'm, right. I'm totally teasing. <laughs> but... Um, Maybe not totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I have complicated feelings. I feel very happy on the one side because I I do think this is a good fit. I do think it's a good match. I've used the best reasoning that I possess. I consulted with trusted colleagues and friends and family. And um, so, I, you know, I feel confident about the decision, but at the same time, I feel you know, a good deal of sadness and even, <clears throat> excuse me, even a little bit of guilt Yeah, um, about um, about leaving this congregation. And I, I mean, I haven't, this wasn't like I've been here a super short amount of time, but I've only been here for five years and that's not really real long. Um, and we're in the midst of several sort of big projects that I've been at the head of or leading the charge. For. Right. Right. And so, you know, I kind of feel, so there's a mixed bag of emotions on my end. <clears throat> Plus there's the whole, whole big bundle of complications of thinking, Oh, now we have to move. We have to sell our house. We have to buy a new thing. 
Um, where are we going to live? What's Julie, my wife? What's her, what's her job going to be? You know what I mean? So there are all the practical things that everyone has to deal with whenever they make a move. Yep. Um, yep. That, the, that, you know, are not the funnest things in the world. For, sometimes they're pretty stressful. I felt when I, um, when I accepted the call here to Holy Cross, it's been about four years. Uh, it, oh, my goodness. What a... What an incredibly difficult process. Hardest decision of my life, no question about it. Um, but because you're you're really excited about the new opportunities and and all of this great stuff that's gonna be that's gonna be happening. Uh, but pastors, good pastors at least, they get very close to their congregations. I love the people at Messiah and Kenosha. I count I count them as as dear brothers and sisters, um, you know, baptized their children, confirmed their children, buried buried their mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles, etc. And uh, oh my goodness, that just uh, uh, I kind of feel like any good pastor is going to have one sense of a betrayal that I have betrayed these people by leaving. And I don't think that that's rational. I don't think that's true. But but because you have been so tightly interwoven to their lives for so long, uh, that both good and bad, that it's it's nearly impossible to escape that escape that sense. Um, yeah, it's like it's a little bit. I mean, I haven't been here nearly as long as you were at Kenosha, um, but. It's still been a very good five years, and it's been a time where we have forged those bonds um, in terms of per- interpersonal connections. I've the same thing, you know, as you were talking about. You, you do get a certain sort of a, a pastor people relationship, and when it's at its best, is a v- really kind of a beautiful thing. And and it's it's a little bit like a marriage. Yep. I mean, it's sort of comparable to a marriage, and so. Yeah, there's a little bit of a feeling. I don't know. In, until you said it, I don't think I really identified the feeling as a sense that I'm betraying them. But it's more like I feel like I'm letting them down. Um, but I, but that's not rational either. I know it's not my church. It's God's church. Right. And it's not up to me to 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 lead. And it's up to Him to be the shepherd. And He will. And, and I'm confident of that. And if I weren't confident of that, then I think I would really be wallowing and and doubt and you know self doubt and questioning my decision right right yeah it's tough it is it is tough so so what are you going to be doing at concordia irvine i mean other than uh let's be honest here other than really enjoying the nice weather right right well i'm certainly going to try to do that i'm going to try to enjoy the weather because you know right now in chicago um, last week we had, it got into the seventies, Todd, it was beautiful. It was spring. And I just had to scrape four inches of snow off my car <laughs> before I could come into the office today. So, I, you know, I will not miss the Chicago weather. I, 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 there's many things about Chicago and about this neighborhood and this part of the, of the greater Chicago area that I will miss, but the weather's not one of them. So I'm going to enjoy that. My job is, um, uh, yet like I'd said, I'll, I'll be teaching 
theology, which for the most part, I imagine at first will be mostly like freshman theology. Every every student has to take a certain number of credits of religion, which will be intro to the Bible type courses and intro to Christian doctrine. And I'm sure I will be given sections of that. Um, although I, I don't know exactly my, they've only, because until, until today, you know, I mean, it was all just a hypothetical. So I, I don't know exactly what my teaching will be, but I know that'll be sure. probably part of it. But, but, but they do have me scheduled, you know, they, they will schedule me to teach bioethics. They have a growing nursing program. And, um, from what I hear, it's got a very good reputation and, and, and what I saw, the little bit of it that I, I witnessed when I was out there visiting, is that it is just hugely successful as a program. And they offer three nursing degrees, you know, different levels, including an MSN, Master of Science in Nursing. And these students all have to take at least the one bioethics course, Christian bioethics. And, and I'll be teaching that, I'm going to guess, if not every semester, at least once. I mean, they're going to have, they have me slide to teach it this summer and then i'll teach it again in the fall for sure um but then they've given me another sort of hat to wear and that is the director of ministerial formation and as i understand it this is the person that sort of helps to guide and and direct all the different chair people or directors of the church work programs um so you've got your pre-sem program you've got your deaconess program and and a DCE and Lutheran teacher and parish musician. And each of those programs has a director. And of course, there's someone else that's in charge of recruitment, student recruitment, and someone else that's doing fundraising. But I think my role will be, be to help facilitate those programs and help them to talk to each other and work together and do interesting sure, things. Sure. And together. Form, formation is, a, so, uh, is kind yep. of a, I don't know, it's almost a buzzword today. We talk, I remember talking, uh, I think when, a thousand years ago, when we started out in admissions, formation was was kind of the new word or the new concept. I think it's a good one. It's not a bad one. Um, when I think of formation, I kind of think of of creating a a, a culture, <clears throat> creating a, a space or a place of 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 learning and of collaboration, um, all that kind of stuff. Well, that'll be interesting, and I'm sure you'll have a. A lot of delightful paperwork to deal with in that too. I'm sure that'll be awesome. I, I I'm I'm hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, every that, pastor yeah, that, loves their paperwork. Right, right. I really, really do. Hope yeah. So. Well, no. Um, I mean, I think there will be absolutely. It is an administrative. Work, it is an administrative job. So there's going to be an element of that. You know, I think that I have a staff person who will. Um, you know, if if as long as there's someone to kind of shepherd me through things, I'm I'm in good shape. Sure, I'll be in good. Oh shape. yeah, it'll be it'll be fine. So so what? Well, uh, I, I expect I I just have this feeling, and I could be wrong. I have this feeling that we'll be talking about bioethics more in uh, in in the episodes to come. So so we can uh, maybe maybe uh, pause on that part of it for a little while. Um, okay. So how do you approach what happens when you've accepted a call and then the process of transition? What needs in, – in your mind, Scott, what, what are your goals now for, for your congregation there? What are you hoping to get uh, – what are you hoping to yeah. do? And how do you, you kind of help them through this transition? 
Well, you know, I like to have sort of a one or two year plan. You know, we've been working on kind of a five year plan and, and in terms of the strategic planning that our congregation has gone through. And, um, you know, nothing ever takes the time you think it's going to take. You know, everything always takes longer. And so we're not quite done with some of the things that were on my original strategic plan. Um, and, and some of those things, frankly, will be able to continue just fine without me here because the, the, the ball is rolling and there are great people here, good leaders who know what to do. And so some of those things are going to happen just because they need to happen. For instance, we're trying to make our building handicap accessible. Sure. And that's something that we've been working on with architects and getting city permissions for construction and all that sort of thing. And I'm, I, I, I'm not involved in the nuts and bolts of that anymore. I was involved at the beginning making the case for why we needed to do this and why we needed to raise money to do this. Um, so I'm not worried about that. There are other things, however, that we were kind of in the process of that I, I, I'm suspecting will have to be put on sure. hold. For, for instance, we were going to – we were preparing to call a DCE or a youth – someone to focus on youth. Uh, our youth group has been doing some wonderful stuff and growing. And, uh, I, you know, with I just can't see calling a DCE in May and me leaving in June. So I don't think, I don't think that's going to be happening right away. Although that's not really your decision anymore. It is not my decision. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if asked my, my thoughts on the matter, I would say it's probably not an optimal situation for a student who's graduating to come into a a church where there's no pastor. In fact, they might not even be able to get placed. Uh, You know, I, I would think a placement director would think twice before putting a, a graduate in a place where it's known the pastor will not be more than a short time. Sure, sure. So, but what I I think what I want to do, and I told the church council and I told the congregation yesterday when I made my announcement that um, I would be praying for Redeemer and would do everything appropriate and within my power to help have a smooth transition. And in the very minimum, I think that would just mean supplying some names. I, I know a lot of LCMS pastors. And I know of a lot, and I know some that are probably excellent fits for this congregation sure. as far as, you know, that go, humanly speaking. So, I, you know, if they will, if they will be receptive, and I think they will be, I would, I would like to submit a list of names for them to consider. Um, I don't want to be seen as trying to handpick my successor, but I think in terms of making suggestions, they'll be open. They'll be very open. Um, the other thing is simply to try to figure out, there's just all sorts of little practical things. You know, what are we going to do for vacation Bible school? See, there's a lot of stuff that's on my desk that I now need to, to either delegate to make sure it happens under someone else's leadership or it just gets postponed or, or not done. Right. Right. There's a lot of little things, and I don't even—I probably don't even know what most of them are yet. This only just—I only just made the announcement yesterday, and I think people had had to let it sink in. So what I heard a lot of yesterday was words of support, but I think which was great, and I think it's all sincere. But I think in the upcoming days and weeks, we'll start to be hearing more. Of, okay, now you know what? What are we going to do about this? Right? Who, who's in charge? The of practical that? will start to uh, will start to come come into play a little bit more. And yeah. at least in my experience, and I obviously my experience is limited, 
as are all of ours. In my experience, it's when that practical stuff starts to come into play that there will be people that will start to get mad at you because now all of a sudden, all of the stuff that you were doing, now they have to do or somebody else has to do. Um, and that's, and uh, I think that's natural and, and that's understandable, but that is hard because again, these are people yeah. whom you love and, yeah. and who love you in all likelihood. And, and so it's, and they're used to working with you. So that, uh, that transition is different, is difficult, but I want to come back. I want to go back to something that you, uh, uh, that you mentioned before we, and that is the, the question of giving names to, uh, to a congregation. Uh, before we do that though, quick, uh, quick note mm-hmm. that if you want to find the show notes for this episode's this episode you can go to the crux of the matter.net slash pad podcast slash eleven. And I hope you will do so. Uh, we would also love to get feedback on this, both in the process and in questions and how this works and kind of why, etc. Uh, you can do that by uh, by going to feedback at the crux of the matter.net, email us there. Uh, or we have a handy dandy uh, contact form on our webpage. You can uh, uh, you can go there and get a hold of us that way. I'd also like to encourage our listeners if you would consider doing an iTunes review for us. Uh, just go to um, go to the link at the bottom of the show notes, uh, which will send you to our iTunes page and write a review. Uh, just say love it, hate it, give us a review, whatever it is. Uh, that actually really helps us in understanding kind of what can we do, how can we improve things, and the like. Uh, so if you do that, we'd sure appreciate it. Now back to our uh, back to our regularly scheduled program. <clears throat> uh, you mentioned giving names to your congregation, which which is also something that I did when I was in Kenosha. But yeah. I have had lots of lively conversations with with. Uh, pastor friends and colleagues that that have said essentially, I don't think that it's appropriate for me to be doing that at all because that will be perceived as being manipulative uh, on my part. And so I refuse to give names to my congregation. Once I've accepted the call, I can't look back and I'm not going to give them any names. Uh, obviously, you've t- taken a different tact. How do you uh, how do you respond to that, Scott? What do you th- it, it, have you experienced that kind of conflict too, or what do you think? Well, I haven't heard anybody else say that, but it did go through my mind. Um, you know, the the thought had occurred to me: is it appropriate? And so I, I'm of the mind, Todd, that um, it makes sense because, like I said, partly because I worked at the seminary for a number of years. I know a lot of Missouri City sure. pastors. I know many more than all of our all of sure. our members combined. And you know, probably I could probably recognize the names yep. of a thousand men. Okay, and so why I just you know, and I know a lot about these fellows, and I know, and the other thing is, I know this congregation better of than course. any of those guys do, including the circuit so counselor and the district I, president, etc. Absolutely. And they're going to be asking for names from those guys. So it seems like I, it, to me, it makes the most sense that I would be able to suggest, look, here are some fellows. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not even trying to push anything. But if, if they ask me and I, and I told them, I said, you know, if, if you would allow me to do this, I would, if, if you don't think, I, I told my church council, I said, if, if you don't think that's appropriate, I won't do it. 
But if you would like me to give you some names, I think I could give some names and then let and then let them to do it. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to appoint right. the call committee. I think that would be manipulative. I, I'm not going to try to set up. I don't have an agenda where I'm going to set up. Sure. Try to set things up to to get my guy. But to simply say, here are some names of some fellows that I know who might be available, who I'm, I'm aware of that are either, you know, coming back from the mission field or without a call or, or anticipating or would just be a good fit a call or for whatever reason, you know, so or who would just be an excellent fit that I think they should should inquire about. And, uh, you know, yeah, I can see the point of the pastor who says once you once you say you're leaving, don't. But on the other hand, um, that seems to me to be a little bit too cold and analytical. I, I think, look, these are people with whom I have a relationship. I I understand what this job or this position requires better than anyone else. Right. Um, so I'm going to make, uh, you know, if they will receive it, I will, I will make some suggestions. Um, but they're going to form their own call committee. They're going to, I'm not going to attend any meetings like that. I mean, I mean, I can see the extreme of, of the pastor who's right. trying to be the chairman of the call committee for his successor. Yep. But, um, and I, I understand you, but I, I think the pendulum doesn't have to swing 180 degrees where I'm not going right. to completely hands off is, yeah, is, a, yeah. is, is really just as in some respects is yeah. just as manipulative. Sure. Um, it, it, it's at least I think it's irresponsible. I mean, I, I have the opportunity. I, I'm not going to just entrust these people to, um, you know, to the wolves. And I know they'll find a good pastor and I trust the process and I trust the Holy Ghost. Right. Um, but, um, you know, the Holy Ghost uses uses means. And that means sometimes using people like yeah. me even. Well, exactly. And um, well, and he, here's how I how I've tried to look at this is, and we talked about this a little bit in our episode where we talked about receiving a call and the, and the process and, and interviews and the like, as a pastor, I have an obligation to teach the faith to my people, to give the gospel, uh, to feed them, to care for them, to shepherd them, uh, to guard them against the wolves, and and I want to see to it that if I ever leave a congregation, wherever it is, that the gospel continues to continues to predominate in that place. And and that and why would I not give names of men whom I believe would be faithful to uh to the identity of this congregation? So yeah, I've I've done the same thing. Right. Um, but it is hard. And I do think that you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of period of saying, okay, here's, you know, this is my level of involvement in this and it's going to be pretty hands-off, but I want to give them, I want to give some names um, and, and some encouragement along the way, but I'm not going to accept phone calls from parishioners uh, asking, Hey, what do you think about this or that person? I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to try to step back as much as possible. It's not it's not easy though cuz you care about these people's and people yeah. and you know them better than anybody. So that's yeah. that's a tough yeah. position. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's imparted it, it to assuage my own guilt or feelings of you know second guessing myself to to try to 
have a hand and, you know, it'll feel a lot better. <laughs> I will feel a lot better knowing if I could know that they would be in great hands with a very faithful shepherd. Um, but again, that that's not my responsibility. It's up to the Lord. It's not my, my business to make that happen. Um, I think I've done the best that I could. I've got my flaws, sure. but I've done the best that I could to prepare over the over the whole time I've been here to try to shepherd this congregation in, in the ways of the Lord. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, my successor will come into a place and he'll he'll find um, very good foundation laid that he can. Do you build try upon. to do any kind of um, any specific work of like? Uh, doing a Bible class on the ministry or on the call process or something like that after you've accepted a call. And I, and I ask this because I know you've, I, I know you've been through this at least, at least once before leaving a congregation to go somewhere yeah. else. Um, so where do you, where do you leave the parish in that, in that situation? What do you, what do you try to give them? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, that's I, honest. That, at least I appreciate yeah, that. that. That is honest. I I don't really know. I mean, part of me is just saying business as usual. Just you know, um, I'm not sure. I, I suppose I could um, do some talking or teach a class um, or, or mention in sermons a little bit about what it means to go through a vacancy and what it what it means. I mean. At, in actual fact, I've kind of been working on the side as a little project, a little booklet that I'm trying to put together on how a congregation manages a vacancy. Right. So I could bring some of that material to the fore, but I feel a little awkward. That's where I start to feel outside yeah. the comfort zone um, because then I feel like I'm kind of trying to guide the process. I, I, I think if people want to ask my counsel, I'm willing to at least listen. And if I feel like I can give good counsel, I will. If I feel like it's – if people are trying to involve me at level that I, I shouldn't be involved. Because, again, you don't want to be manipulative and I don't want to be perceived by anyone as, as trying to handpick or cherry-pick my right. successor. Because what that does is it sets him up for being criticized right, right you know and 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 if if it's if i'm not involved in that then then whomever they call no one's going to be able to say oh well you know stigmire put his 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 boy in and, and I, not that this is that kind of congregation it's not a contentious place and i wouldn't expect that to occur but i think you don't say i think the, you give the person a best their best chance for um i guess quote unquote success if you are not the one who is at least perceived as picking them, and, yeah, and and, and that makes through. sense. You know, I gave um I gave Messiah several names when I left, kind of much like we're talking about here. Uh, ultimately, they ended up calling two of those men, both of whom declined, and uh and then ended up calling someone else whom I did not know at all, who uh whom I had not met. Uh, and who, I know this is terrifying to imagine, who actually graduated from the other seminary. Uh, I mean, horrifying, oh, no. absolutely horrifying. But I come to find out uh, that, and I have gotten to know him since then. We've had, we have, have had many cordial conversations. I've, I've um, actually visited with him and his, and his dear family, and he's a great guy. And, and, and it's all good, and I couldn't be happier with how Messiah is cared for. That is a and which is all a sign of okay, we we have to do what we're capable of doing. Uh, I'm going to use the best wisdom that God has given me, and and 
then things are going to go on as they do, and that's okay. And then yep. we move on. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I think that that is an on. excellent transition for us to move on, Scott. Is that all right with you? Perhaps <laughs> we should. Um, okay. It seems appropriate yeah, yeah, since you will uh, since you will be going uh, out out west to join me here in California that our friend of the show ought to be Concordia University, Irvine. Oh, I didn't nice. ask you about that ahead of time, but that I don't know. Are you all right with that? I'm totally fine with. I that. I figured it's you an would excellent be. Excellent school. Um, it's an excellent school. It, yes, I have no doubts. Uh, I know a few people at Concordia. Um, probably the one that I know the the faculty member, at least that I know the best, is Steve Mueller, who I believe is the chair of the religion department. Am I right on that? Well, he's uh, more than that. He's the dean of Christ College, which means he's in charge of religion, philosophy, and all the church vocation programs. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So he's a dean. Actually. He's a dean. He's a. Yeah. a I think the theological term there is probably bigwig. Yeah. Something along those lines. <laughs> right. He's a, um, he's but uh, Steve is a Steve's a wonderful guy, uh, a, uh, among many other things, a C.S. Lewis scholar. And uh, and I have enjoyed getting to know him. He was also a, uh, a Contari alum uh, a couple of years ahead of us at seminary. So or actually, I don't, I don't know. Were you on campus when he was there or did we just miss him? Um, not as a student. Not as a student. Uh, OK, yeah. I didn't think I think he graduated a couple of years before we got there. But yeah. uh, and there are others. Do you, uh, what other um, faculty members have you gotten to know in your short time so far? Well, um, I you know of course I know Adam Francisco who teaches in the history department, um, but he's got a PhD in Islamic studies. He certainly knows Lutheran theology very well. Sure. And he and he um, he used to teach at the our seminary in Fort Wayne, and they're in their missions department sure. and uh and is an outstanding professor and is is not only really good at um talking about islam and world religions and 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 history but he's also um a noted apologetics scholar as well so he talks about those things i'm looking forward to to working with him and then we've heard i i've met but i don't know personally very well the infamous um and uh uh, unique Rod Rosenblatt, right. who is on the White Horse Inn with Michael Horton on their broadcast and has been for some time. He's the Lutheran voice on their broadcast. Ter you know, from all that I can gather, terrific theologian and outstanding uh, professor that that is very popular and he's been there for ages, still teaches. And then the one that I've gotten to know a little bit more recently is um, named David Loy, and he teaches in the religion department and he teaches philosophy. And um, he has been filling in and teaching some of the bioethics classes. Gotcha. So I've kind of gotten to know him. From now, that. I know David a little bit because uh, because David was in my group when I went through the doxology program. We'll talk about doxology at some point down the road here. But uh, I got to know David a little bit from there. Um, I believe – I think I've got this right. I think that he is Richard Iyer's son-in-law. Um, Richard oh. Iyer was a longtime professor at Concordia Concordia, Wisconsin, and did a lot of uh, a lot of ethics and pastoral care stuff there too. But uh, yeah, you've got some, yeah. and then we're just really mostly talking about the theology department there. I uh, am really looking forward to hearing about your uh, about your transition and getting to know some of these guys. and uh, And welcome to California. 
I hope you like um, oh, I hope you like pale ales, Scott, because it seems like at least uh-huh. when it comes to Lutheran libations around here, pretty much everybody drinks pale ales. Uh, so oh, I don't know well, about that. Well, that might be a that might be a cultural thing. thing. We'll uh, we'll ha- maybe we can have a special episode, like an after-show episode, about the uh, beers of California sometime. But but that <laughs> okay. will uh, that is a totally different topic. Uh, so uh, so what is bringing you joy this week, Scott? Pray tell. Well, um, this is in line with our topic. I have been looking on the internet and looking for books, and so the one I've got in front of me now is called Teaching Today's College Students, and um, that sounds like something I should be learning a little yeah. bit more about. I, I, you know, I can teach, and I know, I, I, I know I've worked with this age group in other capacities, but um, there's a learning curve for me. I'm going to have to figure out a little bit about what it means to be a college professor and teaching undergrads. So um, I've got a couple of books on my reading list, and today the one that I'm reading is called Teaching Today's College Students, and it just talks about how the, the, the typical college student of today is different than in past generations and what that means and so Interesting. on and so forth. So, yeah, so it's just giving me some joy, and it's also frightening me a little bit that I'm w- way over my head and don't know what I'm doing. No, you'll okay. be fine. I feel that way a you'll lot. You'll be anyway. fine. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we, do so, we talk so much about books here, not like that is a great surprise. Do you think that it would be worth our while to consider doing some book reviews on the website um, or just do kind of, kind of yeah. having a book roundup every so often? I don't know. I've been thinking about that for a while. Yeah, I like that idea. And I think we might even get to a point where we want to discuss a book in some detail as sure. a topic. Sure. Um, if our uh, dear listeners have any opinions on that and kind of how to go about doing it, Drop us a line, feedback at the crux of the matter.net. I'd like to hear about it because because I do, you know, we're Lutherans, we're we're, uh, we're readers and nerds in some respects. So uh, I think that that uh, I think that that's a pretty natural fit for us. We'll have to think about it. My pick of this week or what's bringing me joy for this week is uh, is completely different than that. And that is tennis. You ever played tennis, Scott? Uh-uh. Uh, I once or twice, you know, probably when I was in high school, but nothing. Well, nothing I, uh, I learned to play tennis ooh, 15, 16 years ago, 17 years ago from a, uh, from a friend of ours, Paul Beisel, who, uh, was one of our recruits years ago. He's a pastor in Iowa now. And Paul played tennis at Concordia, Nebraska. Uh, and, and he, uh, and he was on campus for a summer, and and he he really uh, worked with me for a while on playing tennis and played tennis kind of off and on. Really didn't do much in Kenosha, but here in California, where the weather is is while not always nice, and sometimes at least here insanely hot, uh, you can still basically play tennis year round. Uh, I have a group of guys that I get together with Sunday afternoon. Uh, we play tennis for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, something like that. Play doubles. Uh, it's one of the well, one of my predecessors, retired pastor, and then two of my elders. Uh, so we play doubles for an hour, an hour and a half, uh, and then afterwards we uh, we go and have some Lutheran libations. And I'll tell you, Scott, that is one of the most important things that I do every single week. To the point where it's um, 
it, it's frankly kind of inconvenient sometimes because, you know, there are lots of things that are going on and Sundays are, heaven knows, busy enough as pastors already. We typically play at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, but man, do I love it. It is so good to get out and to do something that is that is physical, that is not anything like what I am doing on Sunday morning. It, it in many respects, allows me to have a kind of physical break and and is the start of my day off. That's my physical signal that, okay, I have I have gotten through another Sunday. And now I can relax for a day or two before I have to kind of go back to the, the grind of pastoral work. And uh, I am, uh, in the words of Jim Gaffigan, generally speaking, I am indoorsy. I am, I am, I am not an outdoor type person, <laughs> uh, although I'm trying. But tennis has kind of hit a, hit a good line for me. And, and it's inexpensive, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not like golf, which I also love, but golf is terribly expensive. Uh, tennis is inexpensive. Um, it takes an hour, not five hours. Uh, it doesn't take lots of people. And I have really come to enjoy it. So that's what's bringing me joy this week. Well, that's awesome. And it's good that it's something that it yeah, keeps you physically It does. It, it really does. That has been uh, one of my motivators the last few months. I've been, I've been working hard at losing some weight. And that has been one of my motivators is if I have less weight to carry around, it's going to be easier for me to move on the tennis court. So, so that's been a, a very good thing. You have any final words for our uh, dear listeners, my friend? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just uh, pray for the church, pray for the pastors of our churches and uh, for the, the churches that are vacant and for those, and for those pastors that are, uh, in in search of a call, just pray, pray for those folks. Indeed so. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Sounds good.